Coming up on episode 44 of Anchor Persons. A free car? This is the best day of my life. He also cries tears from his nipples. Will we ever eat vat-grown meat? Move over, tater mitts. There's a new stupid glove in town. And what does gendered advertising have to do with one particular night in 1991? Stay tuned to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the northwest, the land of trees and rivers, microbrews and beards, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. And my goodness, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am I'm under the weather and uh, I am still sucking it up. I am toughing it out to record for you guys tonight. I also feel quite bad. So this is going to be probably our best show ever. Yeah. Well, let's get into tonight's story beats and uh, we'll just roll from there. Okay, great. Uh, Do you want to start off our story beats, Gene? Yeah, sure. So uh, an erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to stop you right there. This is a little bit awkward uh, because usually Mm -hmm. we coordinate these so that we don't overlap. But I also have a story beat about the erectile dysfunction company. In fact, okay. I have more than one. Yeah, so do I, oddly enough. Well, mm. um, maybe we just... Why don't... If you want to take a few minutes to regroup and write some new story beats, I'll just take the erectile dysfunction ones. Well, no, I mean, I got to be honest with you. My jokes are all pretty good. I, I don't feel like I need to write any more. These are the top shelf jokes. This is the real shit. Well, well, no, but my jokes are pretty good too. So I don't know that I, I don't know that I need to be taking a back seat here. Maybe we, uh, maybe we settle this the old fashioned way. Are you saying what I think you're saying? I'm saying it's time for a story beat off. All right. A good old fashioned beat off. We haven't had one of those in a while. All right. Actually, I, not to. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right. You know, it's very important that I am relaxed when we record. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, ladies and gentlemen at home, the rules of the story beat off are we just make jokes in rapid succession. We go until we're we feel like we're done. So an erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Interested parties can submit their entries to we're a real company. We promise not just some creepers on the web at yahoo.com. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. In related news, I'm quitting the podcast to devote myself to my new full-time job as a tragicomic sex bard. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Emphasis on the word true, Justin in third period English, PPHS class of 1996. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. I don't know if they'll pay full price for mine, as they're shorter than I'd like, and over very quickly. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. In other news, I now own 30 additional shares of Dutch Brothers stock, so that's exciting. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. 
volume one of my collection will be coming out in time for the Christmas shopping season. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. But that's pennies compared to what they're offering for HD video of the incident. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. The name of the collection is Super Sad True Fuck Stories. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Let this be a reminder that sometimes the law of attraction works. Now what to put on my vision board next? An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. At least one of the stories will also include some fire safety tips. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. But Gil, I think we both know I'll pay a lot more to keep them from going public. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. In one of them, you'll learn why I was banned from Kid Rock's Honky Tonky Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. And I don't want to hear any cracks about Iranian Kurds. They've got that covered. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. So this crocodile is fucking, and I mean, he's really fucking. What? Oh, I thought you said a reptile dysfunction. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Be thinking about who you would want to play you in the subsequent Netflix series. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. But hurry now. This offer is only available for another... Seven days. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. I knew going to college would pay off someday. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. Like, for instance, that time you tried to measure your dick with a USB cable. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. But the story of my sex life has already been written. It's called A Hundred Years of Solitude. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories, but the real $1,500 is the friends we made along the way. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. But remember, if you know enough to be embarrassed, there are people doing it worse than you. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. If Senator Ted Cruz decides to participate, the rest of us should just forget it because it feels like that guy's whole brand in the bedroom is embarrassing sex. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. I'd share mine, but I signed an NDA with the makers of Hot Pockets as a condition of my settlement. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. If you know what I mean. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories which is a lot more than I ever got from the New England Journal of Medicine. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. And by erectile dysfunction company, we mean an unmonitored subreddit. And by $1,500, we mean 1,500 upvotes. And by true embarrassing sex stories, we mean true embarrassing sex stories. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories which should just about pay for the dry cleaning of my gimp suit. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories. And I think we've discovered how the Biden administration plans to pay for their infrastructure bill. An erectile dysfunction company is offering $1,500 for true embarrassing sex stories, which I will start writing as soon as I get this light bulb removed. All right, I'm calling it. We could go on forever. 
let's uh, move on to main news. So gendered advertising, I don't even know if this is the right term for this. I'm talking about the way products that do not have any kind of specific gendered intention are mm-hmm. marketed to men and women differently, whether it's... Oh, like, like here, you're a lady, have a pink hammer. Right, exactly. Or, right. you know, you get the, you know, it's a man soap because it, it smells like tar and the sea. You know, and, and its name is like Thundercock. Yeah. Right, right. And they they made a different kind of diet Pepsi that was just for men. <laughs> so inane. I know it's it'll never not be funny to me. And the way they're marketed, of course, is different because women get a lot of backhanded advice about being their best self. It's like mm-hmm. you're you're dropping the ball, but if you eat this yogurt, you'll stop being such a piece of shit, and your children will love you, and you will deserve that love. And then mm-hmm. men just get straight up bullied. It's like, right. what's up, pussy? Are you eating the right kind of yogurt? Probably not. <laughs> it's very true. All right, so, but what does that yeah. have to do with one night in May in 1991? So this one night in May of 1991, I went to stay at a friend's house. We'll just call him Jay. Uh, Jay's mother worked nights, and I'm not sure my mom was quite aware of that fact. But anyway, she let me stay over. When I got there, his mom had left us $10 to buy a pizza. At the time, $10 would buy a whole large pizza just about anywhere. We rode our bikes up to Pizza Hut in the late afternoon and feasted on a taco pizza, which to this day remains my favorite kind of pizza. Jay also had uh, saved enough money up to rent a Super Nintendo, so we rode to the video store, rented one along with Joe and Mac and Super Mario World. We played for a while, and then Jay suggested we go visit another friend. Now at this point, it's well after dark. I'd never been allowed out really after dark by myself, but we climbed on our bikes and rode into town again, and visited a friend who lived at a hotel. I had a crush on this friend, and I remember doing socially awkward and embarrassing things like tossing a ball cap in the air and trying to catch it on my head. Because if only I did that perfectly, of course, she would love me forever. When we went back to Jay's house, we watched horror movies and eventually fell asleep with Super Nintendo controllers in our hands. It was a very different time, and kids were, I think, given a little more latitude. But even I wasn't used to this much liberty. Looking back on it, I'm shocked at the events of the evening, and I'm really glad that nothing bad happened to us. As it is, it was just this perfect early teenage night, and from that point on, everything changed a little bit, because I saw the code of the Matrix and suddenly understood what was really possible. I never would have tested those boundaries on my own, so in a way, even though I was uncomfortable crossing some of those lines, I owe my old friend Jay a debt of gratitude. Well, right off the bat, I can see maybe some commonalities between these two things because i feel like the dude sleepover and the lady sleepover are very different animals yeah and they're monitored very differently by the parents too i think right there's there's no possibility that you would get a bunch of like preteen or early teen girls and just be like here's some money y'all have fun there right. would definitely be adult supervision. Right. Especially even back then. Like, and that's, I mean, you look at like Beverly Hills 90210, right? And 
you know, Brenda loses her virginity and her parents are just so disappointed in her. And then Brandon loses his virginity and his dad gives him a high five. You know, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, really. But it wasn't with each other, right? No. Because no. I don't know if y'all that's remember my knowledge. 90210, but yeah, that's that's not a high five situation. Those two were brother and sister. Yeah, the, uh, the guy she was with looked just like him. Because it was, uh... <laughs> mm, that's, uh, what they call now problematic. Yeah. But, yeah. um, well, and, you know, another thing is sort of the activities that you guys did. Uh, renting a mm-hmm. Super Nintendo. Uh, video sure. games at the time, as I think they probably still are, very gendered. I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot to, to offer in gaming for female gamers, except these these titles that were also marketed to the men. Or to the boys. Uh, not that they, they couldn't play them, because they certainly could. I remember uh, one of my closest high school friends beat my ass at Mario Kart a number of times. Well, you know, girls are really good at Mario Kart. I, I, I don't make any broad sweeping statements, but that has not been my experience. This I... one friend was super, super good at Mario Kart, but most of the other friends who were female that I played against, I was able to beat pretty handily. Well, and I also, I have the reflexes of like an 89-year-old man who is very sick. Well, you know, well, well, it's important to note that back then you didn't really need incredible reflexes to play Mario Kart. That's true. It was it was a lot more forgiving because the controllers weren't as responsive. Right. This, this was pre-blue shell. This was this was a different time. The the other thing too is, you know, riding your bikes at night definitely not a thing that yeah. uh, would be except. I mean, the whole thing. Okay, here's another thing, and this is a bit of a tangent. Mm-hmm. You know, I assume that young kids still have sleepovers. Maybe not right at this exact moment. Are they having as many sleepovers? But in general, I bet kids of that age are still having sleepovers. But adults, we don't really have sleepovers. I mean, we sort of do, but an adult sleepover has an agenda. Yeah, it's usually a family visit or something like that most often. Right. You you never, like, and and if it's somebody, you know, that you're trying to sleep with. and it's Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other. I don't know why I didn't connect those dots. Jesus. Okay. Well, it's because you're a married man and you don't consort with strange women. That's true. But, you, you know, you never, you don't have the, the same sex friend sleepover where you just mm-hmm. go over to someone's house and try to have as much fun as you have until you collapse in exhaustion. I mean, you can sort I mean, of do that if you're going to, like, drink or, you know, just get really wrecked and then you just kind of pass out. It's not the same, though. I think we need to call them same-sex platonic sleepovers, but yeah. Right. No, that's true. Okay. So the the same-sex platonic sleepover where you're not going to try and get wrecked. You're just going to play Mario Kart and Uh watch scary movies with the lights off and, Uh you know, mix up a bunch of snacks in the blender and dare each other to eat it. Sure. You you don't do that as an adult. And frankly, it's sad. It's true. And, you know, I... I was thinking about that. Even the horror movies back then were, were more exclusively marketed to boys, I think. Oh, yeah. There's a... Well, and I don't know if there are any... I don't know if there's any what I would call female-oriented horror movies that are specific... Well, there are a few that I can think of. 
there are a few, but I, I, I think still like the whole final girl thing was, was very prominent, but I think that's all stemming out of kind of this male fantasy or this male ideal. Um, and so that, that was very present. Although one of the movies we watched, oddly enough, was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, in which there is no final girl. It's it's all yeah. about a boy. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the gay one. That is the exceptionally gay one. Yes, which which is a pretty like, good movie. What, it has nothing to do with the Freddy franchise, and if they could have gone it, another it, direction with it, it probably would have been a stronger movie. But yeah, but I love how subversive it is that this guy wrote this like coded gay horror film and it's it's so awesome it's so awesome it's not one of my favorites of the franchise because of course it doesn't fit in with the rest of the franchise right it really doesn't but if you think of it as a standalone movie it's definitely at least interesting and i would recommend it to anybody you know we've talked at length about nightmare on elm street i don't know that we need to get into to too much depth here that's true we've had like half an hour conversations on this show about Nightmare on Elm Street. I think Nightmare on Elm Street could be one of our uh, themed bonus episodes, though. Oh, yes. I mean, there's like 15 movies. We got material. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I see what you're saying there in terms of uh, uh, multiple aspects of this night were, were very much of that of that time, the way, you know, things were marketed to boys exclusively. And we were certainly boys. I think, uh, I don't, I don't know what you make of the, the tossing the ball cap in the air and trying to catch it on my head. Well, I mean, that's just, that's standard male courtship behavior, you know, is it? Yeah. If you can impress a girl with a physical feat. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get my feet anywhere near anyone. Yeah. Don't be one of those foot guys. God, no. But here's my question, though. Did you sure. get the ball cap on your head, and are you guys still together? <laughs> I did. I did not manage to land the ball cap on my head. After so, um, I was doing this for a little while, much longer than you would think. And uh, after she had to go to the restroom or something, and while she was gone, my friend Jay leaned over to me and was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> No, see, I, I actually believe that you would continue on this for a while because at a certain point, it you, you forget about what the object was and you're just trying to do it. Right, and, right. And I'm, I am th- this way and I know that you're this way too. If there's something that we've decided that we can do, we're going to do it. But if I was like trying to do, like be my best self in that moment and my friend was like, what are you doing? Stop. You're not going to impress this girl. That's he was the voice of all those those marketing campaigns right then. Did he try to sell you a yogurt or a diet soda or some soap? No, but I mean, that's not really what they're selling. They're, they're selling control. Like, yeah, of course, they're trying to move units, but they're 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 invested in maintaining control over your perception of reality and yourself. And he was doing exactly that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think that there's, especially when you're like a 13-year-old boy, it's it's good to have someone in the room to reel you in. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> what else can we do? The taco pizza. What do you make of that? <laughs> I think taco pizza is an excellent pizza. Um, it's been a really, really long time since I just had pepperoni. 
So anytime mm -hmm. I see a pepperoni pizza, like on TV, I'm like, oh my, I just want some pepperoni. I just want some crispy, oily, salty, spicy meats. Mm -hmm. But when I had free access to every pizza and it didn't create that kind of craving, mm -hmm. uh, taco pizza is definitely one of my go-tos. Yeah, it's, it's, it is my very favorite pizza. You get... And back in the day, like back in 1991 through probably about 1998 or so, Pizza Hut's in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of them anyway, offered a very specific kind of taco pizza. The best thing I've ever tasted. You can't get it anymore. Mm -mm. But it was, oh my God, it was amazing. But the, the place where I grew up had one that offered it and it was so fucking incredible. Yeah. Like... I love Abby's Taco Pizza too. I, I have eaten my fair share of that. I love the Wild River Taco Pizza. Oh, my God. We're, we're talking about very specific organ things here. Hashtag just organ things. But um, the Pizza Hut Taco Pizza was a whole other level of, of flavor. And uh, I miss it. God, I miss it. Yeah, I love a Taco Pizza. You got a, a huge variety of tastes and textures. Mm -hmm. It's It's just a richer experience than most pizzas. And what we're talking about, uh, listeners, if you're not familiar, is not a Mexican pizza. We're not talking about like a tostada here, a glorified tostada. We're talking about full-on Pizza Hut crust topped with salsa and refried beans and seasoned beef and shredded lettuce and, oh God, cheese for ages. Just so much cheese, glorious cheese. I, I can't eat a whole lot of any of that anymore, <laughs> particularly the cheese and the meat, because the cheese is not good for my cholesterol and the uh, the crust is bad for my uh, my hemoglobin A1C. And, you know, I'm not really doing meat so much anymore unless it's very lean poultry and fish. So, so yeah. I guess the big takeaway from this is that uh, time eventually robs us of everything that we love. Yeah. Yeah, on that cheery note, do you want to move on to yeah, uh, let's do it to breaking news? All right, breaking news! Boy, the hits just keep coming on the Anchor Person Show. A recently published case study outlines the story of a man who began ejaculating from his rectum after a medical procedure. So he'd had the medical procedure sometime in the past, and it caused complications. He was 33 years old. He'd been ejaculating from his ass, urinating from his ass, and pooping from his urethra for two years before some pain in one of his testicles caused him to go see a doctor. I don't know what to say. His vital signs were perfectly normal, but a CT scan revealed a gas-filled structure in his prostate that was uh, connected to the rectum. The structure was a fistula, an abnormal connection between two body parts. So here's what happened. Three years before this, the man was in a three-week coma due to drug intoxication. During that coma, a catheter was installed, and something obviously went wrong with the catheter that caused the fistula. Surgical intervention was successful, and the fistula was blocked, so the separation of church and prostate was preserved at long last. That's very funny. Complications from catheters are very rare, but if you're ejaculating from your ass and pooping from your penis, please don't wait two years to see a doctor. 
It's a sign that something is very, very wrong. It's also a sign that you may be entitled to $1,500 in the immediate future. You know, if I noticed that uh, I was pooping out of my pee hole, there is no power on God's earth that could keep me from a hospital. Right? Like I would be at the ER so quickly. I mean, I could be at my own dad's funeral. And I'd be like, yo, I have to go. This is, I have to go now. <laughs> I just peed a poop. <laughs> right? Like, what, how would you, how would that happen? And you'd just be like, seems fine. Right. I, I guess mean, this is normal now. This, I mean, this guy, he'd, you know, he'd had some, some troubles before that maybe made me think he's not taking the best care of his body. Sure, but still, still, you're peeing out of your butt, you're pooping out of your penis, and you're coming out of your rectum, too. Even if you don't care about yourself, like, at all, that's uh-huh. ga- that's got to be the thing that trips the alarm bell, right? Right. That's got to be the last thing that can give you that twinge of mortal fear that makes you love yourself enough to seek help. It might have been confused. The, the the peeing from the butt might might have just been confused with just diarrhea or something, I guess. But but the poop out of the 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 urethra. The, I, how do you get past that? I don't know. Well, and and the guy did say because I I read the uh, report in the medical journal. The guy did say that he had noticed that a substantial amount of urine uh, was coming mm. out of his butthole, and it's not supposed to do that. You're right. not you're not a pigeon. You don't have a cloaca, bro. Like at some point the streams got crossed and it's time to fix it. Yeah, man. Anyway. I'm I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. I I really hope that he'll take better care of himself and that he'll care about himself more in the future. On an unrelated note, I resisted the urge every time I said the word fistula of going ah ah ah. See, but that's extremely funny. And I would have laughed very hard if you had done that. Oh, man. <laughs> Fistula. <laughs> I never drink blood. Now, Count Fistula. Let's not let's not think about what Count Fistula wants to suck. The, the imagery <laughs> yeah. is just too horrible. All right. Well, All right. F- for uh, my breaking news, two guys in Mississippi found a car with the keys in the ignition with a sign that said free car. So naturally, they drove it to another county before someone, presumably smarter than them, suggested that it's unusual to find a free car, and they looked in the (laughs) trunk and found a dead body. Oh, Jesus. Now, the funny part to me is not the dead body in the trunk of an abandoned car. That's relatively common. Yeah. Compared to the existence... I'm sorry, go ahead. But but the sign that says free car is really funny. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Ask yourself if you've ever seen a sign that just says free car and then there's keys in the ignition. That's the that's the thing that's uncommon about this is the existence of two grown men in the same place who don't have the common sense between them to spot this setup. If you if you see this, if you see a car on the side of the road with the keys in the ignition that says it's free, you call the police on general principle. You don't even touch it. Right. You don't want your fingerprints on it. You don't need to see the dead body to know that there is one. Right. 
So I'm glad that these guys knew at least one person, albeit in a different county, who could explain to them that free cars have never been a thing. They really haven't. Yeah, I, I, the ball's on the dude who, you know, you kill someone, you put them in the trunk, and I mean, I, I guess there's some something to be said for like, you know, cover-up type stuff where he's wanting someone else's prints all over the car. But still, you know, it's not something you normally advertise. And just to put the free car sign on there, Jesus, that's a that's an incredibly ballsy move. Well, it's you know how they say that nobody ever went broke uh, underestimating the intelligence of the American public. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. This guy was Case like, point. some idiot will pick this up and drive it far away from here, and he was dead right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that concludes our breaking news segment. Let's move on to our fake true story. All right, folks. William Shatner will be in the next group going into just barely technically space on Jorf Bozo's plane, the USS Immiseration. Uh, while we don't know what will happen at the October launch, we allegedly certainly do. Captain James T. Kirk reporting to the bridge. <laughs> Classic. Let's get you strapped in for launch, Mr. Shatner. What's the situation, Mr. Spock? Distress call from the neutral zone? <laughs> yeah. If you'll please sit down. That freighter is a sitting duck. We have to get there before the Klingons. Bill? Bill, if you can hear me, I need you to acknowledge what I'm saying. Arm photon torpedoes and engage at warp six. Guys, he's pressing buttons. Con! Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Bros A, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Bros A wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Bros A, the podcast for those who drink rosé. Back again this week is Touching Tips. This week... Gardening is the subject of choice. Autumn is a great time of year for planting tulips. Would you like to know where I want you to plant them? Make sure your plants have the right nutrients by testing your soil for nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, and brondo. Let's face it, raking leaves is a chore. But if you live in New York, maybe you don't have to rake. Because just a reminder, flamethrowers... 100% legal there. Rhubarb is just angry celery. Autumn is the best time of year for planting evergreens, unless you're in the Suez Canal. Because no time of year is the best time in the Suez for planting evergreens. Don't think too hard about the fact that vegetables grow out of the dirt, because that is nasty. Alright, let's move on to sports! Folks, bowling is goddamn near perfect as it is, but it could stand more variety. At the moment, there is a perfect way to throw a strike on a new frame, and the game is trying to do it right every time, because the lane and the pins don't change. Mm -hmm. But if we did change it up every frame, different lane size, different pin configuration, different balls, etc., I think we'd really see who knows how to throw a ball. So we give every lane a different layout in the in the bowling alley, and we let each frame be chosen at random which lane you're going to be on. So anybody who's bowling at a given time, there's going to be a lot more moving around, but I think it's going to be worth the trouble. 
This is great. I had a really similar idea when I was a teenager. Oh, really? I wanted to, I wanted to do a, a miniature golf course with bowling. That was uh, pretty much exactly this idea, except, you know, you went from frame number one to frame number 10, and they were all different configurations and stuff, but it was like a miniature golf course with obstacles and yeah. Yeah, and if we can figure out the logistics of how to move people around to different courses for mini golf, we could do the same thing for bowling. Yeah, why not? I remember telling someone in my church about this idea and this person pulling me aside and saying, you shouldn't talk about bowling at church because uh, most of these old timers, they really view those as dens of sin, the bowling alleys. So uh, try and keep that on the down low. Bowling alleys, because a pitcher of beer and some nachos is the thing that's going to get you cast. Never mind. You know, my my church was the church from Footloose. They wouldn't let us (laughs) dance. So, Well, but now you will cut Footloose. I will kick off these Sunday shoes. I will. I will, Greg. All right. Well, everybody cut. Everybody cut. Everybody cut foot loose. Well, I'm all in favor of this. Uh, this this plan changed to bowling for sure. Awesome. All right. This week on the creature feature, the blue ring octopus. We've talked about a lot of cute and terrifying looking animals in this segment, but this week I wanted to talk about one of the most gorgeous animals of the sea, and it's also one of the most terrifying. The blue ringed octopus is found in the Pacific and Indian Oceans, mostly near Australia. They typically have yellowish skin and very vibrantly colored blue and black rings all over their bodies that change color dramatically when the animal is threatened. They're small usually, only uh, 5 to 8 inches in size, and they often live in tide pools and coral reefs. And their venom, which is injected from their bite, contains tetrodotoxin, a very powerful neurotoxin. Their bite can result in nausea, respiratory arrest, heart failure, severe and sometimes total paralysis, blindness, and can lead to death in mere minutes if untreated. That death is usually due to suffocation since the diaphragm is paralyzed. And fun fact, no antivenom exists for the bite of the blue-ringed octopus. Faced with danger, the octopus's first instinct is to flee. They will only bite defensively if cornered and touched. And it's important to note that a bite doesn't guarantee death. People have survived the bite. Artificial respiration is usually required to do so, and it needs to be started and maintained before cyanosis and hypotension develop. Once hospitalized, bite victims are usually placed on a ventilator until the toxin is removed by the body. If you survive the first 24 hours, you're likely to recover completely. Another fun fact, a blue ring octopus was discovered on the coast of Western Washington in 2018. Stay safe, friends. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Gene, but isn't that the same toxin that the dreaded fugu produces? Yeah, it's tetrodotoxin. I think they might be the same animal. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I think that. Because octopuses are legendary masters of disguise. And they can... Oh, so so you think the fugu is just uh, an octopus pulling a fletch. Right, exactly. He puts his fake mustache on. And he gets all round and spiky, and uh, that's it. I mean, there's no other explanation. You don't think that they could have evolved separately and still use this toxin? Evolved? Whatever, Bill Maher. All right. (laughs) Folks, it's time for the emotional weather. This week's emotional weather, enjoy the silence, just can't get enough, and personal Jesus. Yes, indeed. We are in a certain mode this evening, folks. A 
Depeche mode, if you will? Sure, I will. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> All right. My story for Enjoy the Silence, I just wanted to take a second to remind you that there's no law keeping you on social media and that we would love to interact with our fans more on Twitter and whatnot. If you need to take a break or get yourself off of social media entirely for your mental health, it is absolutely okay to do that. Social media is a cesspool of people asserting opinions as if they're truth, sharing memes as if they're the final word on any matter, and of course trolls who just like to see the reaction they can get out of people. It's okay to take a break if you need to. It's always okay to take a break for your own health. And if you do, please enjoy the silence. Absolutely, and it will surprise no one that silence has been shown to lower blood pressure, reduce stress and anxiety, and promote relaxation. And here's the kicker. Uh, the most important component of the silence is for you to shut up. And if you can shut up for just two minutes at a time, you'll start to see benefits to your physical health. So I am going to try it one of these days and I'll let you know how it goes. Just can't get enough. In case you thought 2020 was over back in January of 2021, even despite the outbreak of Delta, you were, of course, completely wrong. As the worst of that year is coming back in waves, the newest, another toilet paper shortage is on the horizon. Costco has started warning consumers that due to an increased demand and limited supply, they're reinstating temporary item limits at some locations. I'm not sure if that's that people are hoarding again or they just can't get enough of the product, but it's probably some combination of both. Just a reminder, bidets are wonderful, more hygienic than toilet paper, and bidet attachments are actually really affordable. The word bidet is also pretty fun to say. Well, for my just-can't-get-enough weather, I want to talk about a word that I find fun to say. It's a Norwegian word, uh, lagom, which is either an adverb or an adjective, uh, describing something that is in just the right amount. So, like, if you have a bowl of porridge and it's not overflowing, but you got plenty in there for a nice breakfast, you have lagom porridge. Now, as an American, this is a hard concept to get your head around at first, because it's unthinkable that sufficiency would be better than excess, but I think it's an idea that's worth trying on for size. All right, my personal Jesus story. Game developer Simula M is releasing a game, a sim game called I Am Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The game promises to allow you to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, perform over 30 miracles, and become the Messiah. As far as I can tell, the effort is sincere. No doubt it's caused a stir in some circles who feel it's sacrilegious and with others who feel it's a stupid idea for a game. But what if, and granted, it's a big if, what if AI Jesus is actually the second coming of the Messiah? Just a thought, I guess. But you take that thought far enough, you get a new church. Are you ready for communion where the body is Funyuns and the blood is Hard Mountain Dew? Now, wouldn't it be Code Red? Oh, very good. Very, very good. I think at, at, at a minimum, this is an episode of Black Mirror. Well, for my personal Jesus weather, and um, this, I want to I wanna preface this by saying that I'm not a biblical scholar, or even a particularly diligent Bible student, but according to Pastor Jesse Duplantis, uh, the reason Jesus hasn't come back is that people aren't giving enough to their churches, and if people gave them more money, they can speed up the process. And I'm oh. not sure that's how it works. Now, 
just for fun, Gene, this this is not related to the story at all. It has no bearing on it. But do you think that Pastor Jesse Duplantis has a private jet and a mansion and a fifty million dollar personal fortune? Oh no, these 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 Jesus guys, they don't do stuff like that. It's never about padding their own pockets. It's no, about the good that they do. Of course not, because if you did have a fifty million dollar fortune and a private jet and a mansion, that might not be the best position to be in if Jesus comes back. Right. Um, just if the Gospels are anything to go by. I don't know if uh, Pastor Jesse has heard of the Gospels, but they got some pretty spicy takes on uh, material wealth. Yeah, I think that there's a very strong likelihood that some tables will be turned, if you know what I mean. I do indeed. All right. Well, as you know, every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has the story. Now... I've been ambivalent about the subject of vat-grown meat, and I know I've talked about it on the show before, but I don't remember what I've said, so kindly disregard all my statements on the matter up to this point, and then disregard this one if I have a different take later. Because I used to be fairly keen on the idea of it because it resolved the terrible cognitive dissonance of doing something I felt was wrong by offering me a taste sensation that wouldn't hurt the animals or the planet thing is, as the amount of resources that have been poured into vat-grown meat haven't resulted in any of the products they've been telling us were five years away for several decades now, and as all these obstacles still seem insurmountable to them, they still don't know how to make vat-grown meat that looks or tastes or feels like meat, I think it's time to just give up. Because millions and literally billions of dollars have been poured into these projects at this point, and the only vat-grown hamburger that has ever existed in history cost $330,000, and by all reports, was not very good. Like, if you want something really close to meat, just get an Impossible Burger. It may be plant-based, but you cannot tell it apart. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Gene, because... Um, we have, uh, as I was going to tell the good folks at home, a lot of perfectly good faux meat products these days. Now yeah. you will not find a vegan steak. It doesn't exist. You just can't get that fibrous muscle tissue texture, but you can get perfectly good faux fish fillets. I've got some in my freezer. Uh, mm -hmm. you can get chicken ish products that, you literally cannot tell the difference. I've got some of those little bastards in my freezer as well. And mm -hmm. the patties, as you mentioned, the Impossible Burger, you have an Impossible Whopper. It tastes like a Whopper. A Whopper is not exactly about the beef, you know, right. but, but it does taste exactly like a Whopper. I prefer a Beyond Burger. It's not, it's not quite the same, but you do get to enjoy it. Um, I'm mm -hmm. actually craving one right now. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go vegan, although you should, and I am saying that meat is murder, uh, but if you were really excited about vat-grown meat, just try some plant-based stuff. It's at your grocery store already, it's cheap, and you'll be surprised how good it is. I love an Impossible Burger. I love a lot of these meat substitutes, and and honestly, I, I kind of love sometimes just having a vegan dinner that isn't that doesn't contain even like any meat analogs. I, I, you know, you can make a 
killer quote-unquote chicken salad with just some white beans. It's fucking awesome. Beans, man. Beans are the foundation of my diet, and I feel like a king every day. So be thinking about that bean life, guys. Hashtag that bean life. All right, it's time for the podcast shopping network. Hot off the heels of the magic potato peeling gloves last week, this week's podcast shopping network features a pair of gloves likely to give tater mitts a run for their money. They're called Juggle Bubbles, and it's enough to excite any kid. Have you ever played with regular bubbles? You know how they uh, pop if you try to touch them? Well, Juggle Bubbles offers an incredible solution. Literally. The Juggle Bubbles package includes a bubble solution that promises not to pop if handled by the included magic bubble juggling gloves. The kit also includes a special tray for blowing the bubbles and a bubble blower. I read a number of reviews of the product, and most of them weren't favorable. Even when families followed the directions to the letter, it was still a bit of a challenge to get a bubble that you could actually toss around at all. One review was able to accomplish this feat after dozens of tries, but only briefly. A number of them also point out that the bubble solution smells like a chemistry set, or in one case, bug spray. Additionally, some reviewers say the magic gloves that are included are in fact pretty much just normal knit gloves of the type that you could buy at Dollar Tree. If the bubbles are just going to pop like regular bubbles anyway, might I advise you just buy the solution you can get at Dollar Tree as well. Instead of paying $10 plus shipping, you can get a similar disappointing experience for only $2, minus the chemical smell. For another buck, you can buy a ball that you can actually toss around, and you're still ahead $7. I have two thoughts, Gene. Uh, one is, do you think a bubble juggler is some kind of sexual term or something that I'm just not aware of? Because it seems like it ought to be. It seems like it should be, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look on the internet and see if anybody is describing themselves as a bubble juggler and yeah. see what that actually entails. Because I have a few different ideas, but I don't want to get super graphic on the podcast. Yeah, we'll probably have to wade into the disgusting waters of uh, Urban Dictionary to, to suss this out. And my other question is, isn't a balloon basically just a bubble that doesn't pop? I mean, balloons pop. I hate to break this to you. Okay, well, uh, okay, that's technically true. But like, if you were wearing some soft gloves, you could bat one around in the air and you oh, would yeah. be at huge yeah. risk. So you buy a clear balloon and you've basically got a bubble. Yeah. Plus, if you fill that bitch with some helium, it's floating in the air. Right. I mean, that's incredible. That's way better than a juggle bubble. Yeah. Problem solved. All right, let's move on to state up. Our weekly review of all the states in the union this week, New Hampshire is on the list. New Hampshire's motto, live free or die, is pretty damn tough talk for a state smaller than the area Oregon burns down for fun every year. The state of New Hampshire is nicknamed the Granite State, which kind of rocks. New Hampshire's governor is Republican Chris New Hampshire is also known as the Switzerland of America. Because like the Swiss, they plant tulips. Do you want to know where they plant them? It may have been New Hampshire once, but after 233 years, nobody's buying it. Priced for quick sale. Brand new inbox Hampshire. Look, it still has a sticker and everything. Best offer. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is called Person to Person and Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. I want to thank all of our Tims, wonderful Tims, who are sharing headlines with us. Uh, it's really great to see these coming in. I chose this week from a Tim named Brian. The article I've selected reads, Malfunctioning toilet triggers alarm during SpaceX inspiration for mission. The haiku. 
Up in outer space, alarms make you say, oh shit, and you're doubly right. As always, I want to give a shout out to the bros at Brose and to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr at his website, awestprod.com. And of course, I want to thank you, all of you, our loyal listeners, our beautiful Tims, our sister brother wives. Yes, indeed. You are the hottest, smartest, coolest people in the world, and that is why we married all of you. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic, and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com, where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe, as well as find full episodes of the show, blog posts, and more. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. Or simply tell a friend. Until next time. This is Gene Person saying, you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying, I peed a poo. Good night. Thank you, thank you. And for my next trick, I'll need a volunteer who isn't afraid of change. (coughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Delilah, please strap him in. What I'm going to do, sir, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hypnotize you, sir. I'm going to hypnotize you into a deep, deep sleep. A deep, deep sleep like you've never had before. Never had before. And, sir, when you awaken... You are going to poop, pee, and pee, poop. Sir, please don't struggle. Delilah, make sure those straps are good and tight now. Behold, ladies and gentlemen, behold a minor miracle that I like to call the fistula switch. Yes. Yes, thank you.